This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Sal Palantonio of ESPN, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two podcast. The Mardi Gras, maybe it's the Yardi Gras edition of the Eye Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters, as I hope you know by now. We're also joined today, as always, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. And soon, very soon, we're going to be joined by former Hall of Fame voter, Vito Stellino, who actually is in the Hall of Fame, to talk about one of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and that would be former Steelers scout, Bill Nunn Jr., but first, guys, um, I know you're both from Tampa. Ari, you live in Tampa, and Ian, you're in St. Petersburg, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, is there still fallout from Super Bowl 55? Is the party over? I talked about it's Mardi Gras week. Party still going, Ira? Well, the boat parade was fantastic. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. You got Brady was throwing the, the Vince Lombardi trophy from one boat to another. Brady got drunk. Uh, we haven't seen that side of Brady, and of course, down here, that endears him to the to the local fans uh, more than anything else, uh, Clark. So, yeah, and now, Clark, every time anybody gets mentioned, J.J. Watt, Adrian Peterson, and uh, you know, anybody shy of Deshaun Watson, everybody, all Buck fans got him coming to Tampa. And, Clark, I think you got to admit, Tampa now, for the first time in my memory, it might be a free agent destination site. Yeah. And that we're not used to that down here. No, that's right. That's right. Um, the only surprise to me was that you weren't on the receiving end of that Lombardi trophy era. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Levante David dumped me in the bay before that. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, another quick question here. I know that pitchers and catchers are scheduled for the Rays next Thursday, February 23rd. Is this still uh, all of Buckstown or people now going, let's get si- excited about the Rays? Because after all, they were in the World Series last year. Uh, I'll answer it and then turn it over to Ian. Uh, it's a Buckstown, pure and simple. By the way, the Raptors are playing at Emily Arena now. Uh, and nobody's talking about them. The paper isn't even covering them. Wow. Um, you know, the Lightning gets some run. The Lightning gets some run. I mean, they're defending champs. But Ian, in my mind, uh, there's, there's very tepid support for the Rays around here. Football is king uh, here and, and pretty much everywhere else. And, and the Rays could go out and win a World Series, but as long as the Bucks are in the playoffs and, and contending for Super Bowls, they're going to be the big story. And it, it's, it's been fun down here. I'm just I'm fortunate that the photos of my appearance at the parade have not surfaced yet. So uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> considering myself very lucky. Uh, Ira got dunked in the bay. Well, 
I did a few other things I'd rather not uh, mention. <laughs> okay, we won't either. Yeah. Um, as, as Ira mentioned, there are, are a couple of stories coming out of Tampa. First, since he mentioned Adrian Peterson, uh, I will deal quickly with him. Uh, of course, he's going to be in Canton one day. But he says he'd like to go where there's a Super Bowl trophy, Ira. Of course, that means he's interested in the Bucks. He wants a ring. Um, and he played with Bruce Arians in Arizona. I think it was 2017. So he says it makes sense. But he turns 36 soon. And I'll be honest with you, I can't see that happening. He says he also wants to catch Emmett Smith and play till he's 40. I don't see that happening either. What about you, Ira? Well, there could be a spot in terms of Leonard Fournette because I think Fournette will move on. I think he will, Clark. Um, if he can find a place where he'll be the number one running back, I think that's going to be enticing for him if the money's right. So he may leave. That could leave a spot. But, you know, they got Ronald Jones and yeah. – Look, they drafted a kid named Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round, and, and he showed a little bit as a rookie. So I'm with you. I, I don't think Peterson's got much left in the tank. Ian, as a as a diehard Buck fan, you want Adrian Peterson? I'd rather have James White. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, spoken like a true Patriots fan. Um, and then secondly, and more importantly, uh, sad story yesterday come out of Tampa. Vincent Jackson, age 38, died. Um, I, I knew him from the Chargers. I, I would guess you knew him from the Bucks. Um, did you cover him? What sort of person was him? Was he? And does anyone know what happened? This is a big story down here, Clark. It's a major story. It's leading the newscast. It's all over talk radio. And Ian, I think it's fair to say it's as much for Vincent Jackson's outreach into the community, especially on the military side. He's wow. a military kid. And we got MacDill Air Force Base down here. And so it's as much for that as he was a, a consummate professional as a receiver. I did cover him. Uh, I got to know him fairly well. He was very involved in the community, Clark. And the circumstances of his passing are very murky at this point. But it's a tragedy. Ian, this, this is a big, big story down here. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's all over the news. I mean, just the reactions of the locals and former teammates talking about the type of person he was, you know, let alone how good he was on the football field. But yeah. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he won the, the Man of the Year award down here four or five times in his... his he did four his, years in yeah, a row. four yep. years in a yep. row. So, I mean, it, it just speaks to his character and just who he was. And, you know, he just had a birthday recently, too, which which is sad, so... Yeah, and plus, I mean, on the field, our productive player, six 1,000-yard seasons. He was a good player. I remember him as a tall, physical wide receiver who caught a lot of balls. And again, I'm thinking of him with San Diego when he played with the Chargers, but I know he's very productive with the Bucks. Absolutely. And he didn't have the greatest quarterbacks down here, Clark. He had Mike, Mike Glennon throwing yeah, to him right. for a couple of years, right. um, then Jameis. But um, big, tall, lanky, good route runner, didn't drop a lot of balls. Uh, very good player, Clark, but uh, really missed in the community down here. Yeah, well, that's a sad story. That's Vincent Jackson gone too soon at the age of 38. Uh, okay, let's fast forward here. I mentioned the Vito Stellina would join us, and he's here right now. Now I will tell you guys, I first got to know Vito in 1982, my first year covering the Baltimore Colts. We were on the same paper, in a sense, but the same organization. Vito covered the Colts for the morning sun. I covered them for the evening sun. It was my first year, and Ira, as you know, that was the 57-day strike year. So I had no idea how to cover a football team, and I especially had no idea how to cover it during a 57-day strike. 
Vito was my mentor. He didn't have to do it. We were in competition, but he did. He was the morning paper. I was the afternoon. He told me who to talk to. He introduced me to people. Uh, was a great, great teacher, and I'm forever indebted to him. And he's here, as I said, right now. Vito, of course, got his notoriety covering the Steelers during the 1970s, and he got to know Bill Nunn Jr., who I mentioned earlier. He was recently inducted into the Hall's class of 2021 as its contributor candidate. And Vito joins us today from his home in Jacksonville. And Vito, I, I think I've never said this to you, but thank you so much for everything you did for me when I first started out in this business. Really appreciate it. Well, welcome, uh, uh, Clark. Uh, it was uh, it was my pleasure. We we had some uh, some great times uh, covering a bad team <laughs> <laughs> and a bad owner. <laughs> and a bad owner, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Before we get into questions about Bill, I will tell you something. I saw a thirty for thirty last night on Al Davis versus Pete Rozelle. I don't know if you guys saw it, Ira Ian. But it was fascinating to me because I lived a lot of that and Vito lived almost all of it, I think. And there was one segment where, um, Vito, you remember this, the, the Palm Springs meeting where Pete Rozelle announced that he was stepping down as commissioner, very emotional. And so afterwards, reporters are swarmed around Al Davis because those two had gone at it like Ali and Frazier in the thrill of Manila. They punched each other out. And so they're asking Al Davis, what'd you think? And right over Al's left shoulder is Vito Stellino listening in. And I said earlier, before we got on here, Vito, when you covered the Steelers, they had such great games and rivalry and um, actually uh, judicial and courtroom uh, battles with the Raiders that I think it was Al who labeled you Vito Stiletto because you were so <laughs> tough, so tough. But anyway, it was it was interesting to see that. And it also brought back a memory where it was a, a, a owner's meeting years later in Arizona, not that long, but years later, Vito's leaning in on Al again when he did his state of the Al address. And Davis looked over and saw Vito and he goes, Stilino, if you get any closer to me, we'll be on pay-per-view. <laughs> so anyway, we've got Vito Stilino here. And um, Vito, now that they get to the, uh, the subject of the day, uh, Bill Nunn. And, and I think I'll ask you, since you covered the Steelers in the 70s, how well do you know him? And how would you characterize him? How do you remember him? Uh, well, uh, without Bill Nunn, uh, they don't win four Super Bowls. Uh, his, uh, it, it's great the Hall of Fame is, is recognizing his contribution. Uh, he was a real pioneer uh, and a great guy too. Uh, it was, uh, I kind of regret I didn't give him uh, more credit at, at, at the time. Uh, Rooney Jr. was one of the great quotes of all time and running the, uh, the scouting department. And so I mostly leaned on him. Uh, <clears throat> now the Steelers were a lean and mean organization those days. Uh, so he was also the camp, the training camp director, you know. And uh, I remember one time uh, I was back in the, in the uh, days of six preseason games and uh, I walk in the room and, and, uh, and the trainer is complaining about uh, my story on a preseason game, no less. And, and, uh, uh, and none pipes up and says the story, the headline does not reflect the story. <laughs> he, he was a real uh, and I don't even remember what the headline said uh, but he was a real newspaper man to, uh, to start with his mm -hmm. father Bill Nunn Sr uh, 
worked for the, uh, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Courier. It, it, it's really hard to uh, recreate and believe what it was like in those days. Uh, uh, it's still not, we're still not where we should be, but in those days it was uh, uh, really bad. And uh, so he uh, uh, was writing all these great stories uh, about the, the, the black colleges, had a black college All-American team, totally respected. And the Steelers virtually ignored him until uh, Dan Rooney finally called him in. And uh, uh, it did not go particularly well because uh, Bill rightfully f felt like the, the Steelers had no interest in him. But uh, uh, Dan, you know, passed things up and, and they hired him. And uh, so he had all this low-hanging fruit. Uh, you have to remember that uh, in the 60s, the, uh, the SEC was still uh, segregated, you know. Right. So, uh, even into the, and even into the 70s, John Stallworth was a native of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the bear did not recruit him. Can you imagine that today? Mm -hmm. And uh, Stower said, well, they were only taking the elite of the elite uh, of, of the black players. And uh, he, he had been, even in high school, apparently had gone to a school that didn't get a lot of attention. Of course, in those days, the uh, the mainstream papers didn't even cover the uh, uh, black high school sports. So uh, he gets a he gets a film of Stallworth had a, a reputation of not being a, a speed burner, but you know he was fast enough to make it over his shoulder catch for seventy three yards and to win a Super Bowl. So uh, he was fast enough, but but Bill got a uh, got the right time on him, and then. He got a copy of, of, of him on film in college. And, uh, and the Steelers were supposed to send it to other, other teams too. Now, now, apparently the other teams didn't make a big issue. Well, where's that film? But it just stayed on uh, Art Rooney's desk. So <laughs> Noel sees the film. He wants to take Stallworth on the first round. And so they convinced him, hey, Swan's not going to last, you know. We can take Swan on the first round, and the uh, the odds are that we'll get him later. And they got him on the fourth round, right. you know. Right. Which, as I say, had he gone to Alabama, he would have been probably a, a a first round draft pick. But as I say, they not only drafted those players from those small black schools, they got them in later rounds. They got great bargains because uh, uh, no one else was. Uh, was scouting them, or very few people were scouting them. You know, a guy like Walter Payton got noticed, but uh, th there were many other players that just th didn't get noticed. And of course, you have to give Noel credit. He gave them a chance. He didn't see color at all. And in fact, in their famous uh, 74 draft, where they drafted four Hall of Famers in the first five rounds. They did not draft Donnie Shell. They should have taken him a later round because there were so many rounds in those days. I think they were like 17. And, uh, uh, but of course, uh, Bill Nunn knew, knew of, of him. He knew the coach and the coach tells Shell, uh, you go to Pittsburgh, you'll get a fair shot. Mm -hmm. And so he became the, uh, the, the, the fifth Hall of Famer in, uh, in that class, and if you look at the nineteen at the at the team photos of the nineteen seventy three Dolphins, 
a very few black players on that team. The 74 Steelers, 11 of the 22 starters were black, you know? And uh, so, you know, none had a, a, an amazing impact on that. And then when they started winning with those players from the, the, the schools, you know, other teams started to scout them. But of course, that's when also the SEC uh, integrated. As you remember, the famous 1966 Michigan State Notre Dame team, uh, Michigan State had a bunch of uh, black players from Southern schools from, from the South who couldn't get, uh, you know, couldn't get into SEC schools. Bubba Smith, Jimmy Ray was the quarterback and, and that type of thing. So uh, he had an amazing contribution to that, uh, that one in the four Super Bowls. And it's really good that the Hall of Fame, you know, recognized him. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but uh, I'm sure his family loves it. Vito, I want to ask you, uh, and our clock is going to ask you about uh, Tony Baselli a little later, but Vito, I talk to Derek Brooks a lot. We do a podcast together, and Vito, there's a guy that played for the Jags that uh, Brooks holds in very high esteem, and, and you know, as a Hall of Fame linebacker, uh, you know, his words count. And Vito, he mentions Fred Taylor a lot. Fred Taylor, um, maybe by the pure numbers, Vito Taylor's short of Canton, but you saw him in his prime. Of course, he had uh, Maurice Jones drew with him, Vito. But how good was Fred Taylor at his peak, Vito? Uh, he's definitely a Hall of Fame running back. He, by the way, although he doesn't have great numbers and he never led the league in rushing, only made one Pro Bowl because uh, that was the era when there were a lot of uh, you know good running backs. Uh, and by, uh, by, by the year 2000, I think that was his third year, he was playing on losing teams. And so they had to throw a lot. But uh, in, uh, I think it was 2001, he could, he could do things that the human body wasn't uh, designed to do. He could run so fast, turn on a dime, and doing that one time, he literally tore the ligament off his groin and missed a you know a whole season, and had some other injuries uh, later on. Which, had he not had those injuries, he would have had a couple thousand more yards, and then he would you know be a Hall of Famer by now. But if you saw him play, of course, and then later in his career, uh, the last three years, uh, he. he uh, traded time with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, so that also cut down on his carries and his stats. But you just put him on the film. Uh, he had a, you know, he was a big back, fast, could turn on a dime. Uh, he should be a Hall of Famer, but, uh, you know, whether he'll make it, you know, no no uh, Super Bowls, only one Pro Bowl, uh, no leading the league in, uh, uh, in rushing. So he's one of those players like, did you see him play? You know, if you saw him play, you'd think he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. Uh, Vito, uh, talking about the 70s Steelers um, and even Brooks, Vito, even Brooks, who's so proud of the Bucks defense. He says, you, you know, look, Pittsburgh's better. They, they won four Super Bowls. Pittsburgh's defense was better than ours. The curtain was better. Uh, so, you know, Brooks doesn't uh, easily give credit uh, to other teams, but Vito, that team, I think, has five Hall of Famers on defense. Well, you know, me, Joe Green, two linebackers, and two DBs. Uh, 
Vito, L.C. Greenwood. Vito, is he hurt by by the perception that we're not going to put six guys in off this defense? And is that fair, Vito? And Andy Russell, too, Ira. And Andy Russell, yeah. Yeah, Russell, too. No, it's not fair, but, you know, uh, you hear comments, well, are they going to put the trainer in, too? Well, there's a reason they won four, four in six years. By the way, there's two things that Tom Brady has not done that Terry Bradshaw and that Steeler team did. They repeated twice, and they won four in six years. No one has done that since, or before, for that matter. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, LC has 73 sacks, uh, but because uh, uh, Joe was the – you know, mainstay of the line. Elsie was better than Carl Eller, for example. And they, and they played against each other in the Super Bowl. And I think Elsie uh, tipped two or three of uh, Targets' passes. Uh, and the, uh, the Steeler running game firstly ran the, uh, the purple, people, purple People Eaters right out of the stadium. Uh, Franco, that was the, they were still a running team. Franco was the MVP. Uh, their line couldn't stop them. So yeah, LC is an absolute travesty, but it's not a fair system. And uh, too many people now, it's been 40 years, they didn't see him play. And, uh, yeah, but, he, but he's, he's one of the most overlooked players, but you know, people say, hey, we got no Steelers, but hey, it's 1976, they had five shutouts, two other games that they only gave up uh, field goal, six points in seven games. They changed the rules because of him and that that defense and Mel Blunt, you know, because uh, they they didn't like uh, that kind of defense. They wanted more scoring. Of course, the funny thing is when they changed the rules in '78, the Steelers still had Bradshaw, Swan, Stallworth in their prime, and they won more, won two more throwing the ball. You know, but yeah, Elsie and, uh, you know, Andy Russell uh, you know, also overlooked. Uh, he probably retired too early. He only played in the first two, uh, uh, you know, Super Bowls. But yeah, it was, uh, it was hands down the best team of all time. I mean, it, and the best defense of all time. You know, there's no question. But uh, we now live in an era where uh, uh, I mentioned the Steelers and the guy said, oh, do they play in le- with leather helmets? That's, that's what you're telling me these days. I mean, these guys think if they weren't on ESPN, it never happened, you know. And you try to, you try to mention Unitas, and oh my gosh, that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, to say nothing about Adam Graham, who also has uh, 10 uh, uh, championship game appearances, and he did them in a row and also won seven. Now, I know the first four were in the AFC. People downgraded because of that. But their first game in 1950 in, in the NFL, they, they matched them against the Eagles, who had won the 48-49 championship. It was 35-10. I mean, their, their offense was so far ahead of what the, uh, uh, the NFL was doing. And Upton Bell, who uh, saw them play in like 48-49, he said at the time, I said, oh, my gosh, this team is amazing. You know, it, uh, but as I say, uh, we, we just live in an era that there, there's no sense of history. And uh, so we just have to uh, you know, deal with that. United, you know, and uh, we don't know whether 
Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady would not have played 20 years in the 1950s and 60s because he would have taken a lot more hits than he has now. But can you imagine Unitas with nobody hitting him in today's game? <laughs> 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 or even Otto Graham, I mean, Bobby Lane, I mean, it's, but uh, you try to tell people that in, uh, and they just think, oh, you're, you're living in the past, uh, you know, uh, old, you know, that uh, yeah. every, they're, they're faster, stronger, bigger, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, and they, you know they have weight training, which those guys uh, didn't have. But if they play today, they would too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it's hopeless to try to, you know, tell people that. And uh, so that's I, right. Just, that's right. right. That, that's right. Uh, that um, you'll see may never make it because there's so many people in the, uh, 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 in the in the old timers uh, group. So, but uh, it's it's unfortunate. We are hopelessly living in the past here with former Hall of Fame voter Vito Scalino. <laughs> and Vito covered the Steelers in the 70s when, newsflash, they were not wearing leather helmets. He covered the Redskins, or the Washington football team, as they're now known in the 80s. And then he covered the Redskins, oh, the Washington football team, sorry, but they were known as the Redskins then. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars after that. And Vito, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and you talk, you referenced Art Rooney Jr. He was the Steelers personnel director from 1965 through 1986. And my question is this, he has been mentioned as a Hall of Fame candidate, but now that Bill Nunn Jr. is in, do you think that precludes Art Rooney Jr. from getting into the Hall as well? It probably does, but it's totally unfair. Uh, he, he set up the scouting department, you know, and he, uh, he, he even though Noel had the final say, Noel would listen to, to listen to the scouts, and and he talked him into '72 and '74. He talked Noel into changing his mind, made two decisions that without uh, those two decisions, they wouldn't have won the four win four uh, Super Bowls. In '72, they were looking for a running back. They had, they had three straight losing seasons. Noel knew, hey, fourth year, I don't know if I survive and I was losing year. So he wants to take Robert Newhouse. And uh, the scout, and our Rooney Jr. wanted Franco Harris. And he finally convinced him that the good big man is better than the good little man. And, uh, you know, Franco had a, had a kind of a quirky reputation, a paternal. In fact, they, they joke about had the, had, uh, the Steelers hired Paterno, instead of Noel, they needled double back when he was alive. They needled Paterno. Well, they wouldn't have won four Super Bowls because you wouldn't have drafted uh, Franco Harris. So mm -hmm. the, the great line about uh, Franco from uh, from Paterno was, well, uh, that uh, Lydell Mitchell would just run through a wall. Franco would look at the wall. He'd count how many bricks they were. Then he'd <laughs> run through it. <laughs> and uh, yeah so if they don't win if if they don't take i mean newhouse is okay back but you know nowhere near a hall of famer and uh uh whether whether they would have been that good in 72 and saved his job who knows so and then of course the other big decision was noel thought stalwarts was better than swan looking at the film and you could argue you can argue either way uh uh, Swan made more spectacular catches. Uh, 
On the other hand, the, the Raiders targeted Swan, so they obviously felt he was the one they wanted to hurt, you know, so, but they were, you know, both great. But uh, if they don't take, uh, uh, if they took Stallworth in the first round, they don't, they don't get Swan, so they only have one of them. So those two decisions alone, uh, uh, you know, qualify him. Plus, I mean, he, he was in charge of a draft that took to, that, Brought in ten Hall of Famers in a, a six-year span, no, and had the four in uh, seventy-four. Right. Well, five, five right. if you count uh, Donnie Shell. So no, I think he. If you, if you want to put, uh, you know, any of the great scouts, to me, he's for production. He's at the top of the list. But again, he's a Steeler. They got so many Steelers, and and certainly Bill Nunn uh, deserves it as a, as a pioneer. But uh, uh, our Rooney Jr. is another guy who's, uh, you know, being overlooked. And, and uh, then unfortunately, he got fired by his own brother, which, you know, I've been had a bunch of uh, uh, poor drafts in the 80s. And the last one for you, Vito, the, the, the last one for you for me. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I was going to ask about Tony Baselli. I am. He's been a top 10 finalist for the last five years consecutive and you know how difficult it is to get into the top 10 but to stay there for five years that's the holding pattern he's got to go forward at some time and honestly I think Ira and I look at each other and say if it's not in 2022 it may not happen I know you covered him I know how high you are on him could you give us the uh, Cliff Notes version of why Tony Baselli should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame well, uh, you, you start with the fact uh, the playoff game against uh, Bruce Smith. One on one, he took Smith right out of that game when, when they beat the Bills in the uh, uh, in the playoffs. He was the he was the best, is good, maybe the best left tackle of his era in an era which had a lot of great uh, left tackles and all his peers, uh, you know, support him. But I knew four years ago he wasn't going to make it uh, until 2022 because uh, Hutchinson uh, with the other two guys. Fanica, yeah. He was better than all three of those guys. And he played a more premium position, you know. But he only played five years. And the reason he played five years was he had a torn labrum. And he went to this team doctor. The team doctor botched the surgery, ended his career after seven years. Now he plays three, four more years, even an average pace, 10 year career, five, you know, uh, he would have made it by now. But there's a certain uh, segment in the room who just, you know, he didn't play long enough. And, you know, so that's why I think I, I could see he didn't make it the last three years. This, this upcoming year, there's no other offensive lineman. If, if he doesn't make it 2022, then 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 they're not going to take him regardless. Which, but which but Vito, don't don't you think the longevity issue is out with the inductions of Easley and Terrell Davis? I mean, to me, that's low, is no longer an issue. It shouldn't well, be. Well, well, that's why uh, until Terrell Davis got in, I didn't even make a pitch for him because I figured it had a long career thing. Uh, once Terrell Davis came in, that when I made the pitch and, and got him in the room, and uh, but. It's not out the window because uh, uh, too many guys uh, obviously think that. And now then you add this, this nonsense about the first ballot Hall of Famer. 
what have they done? Three years in a row, they put in three first first ballot guys or something like that. Three of the last four. Yeah, three of the last four. Uh, Calvin Johnson, he only made one more Pro Bowl than uh, than uh, Baselli, and he quit. I mean, it's not like okay, play for the Lions. I see we got fed up, but uh, because he's a glamour player, you know, and Baselli didn't play in. Uh, and Super Bowls and the small market, and, you know, and all that. And then, of course, uh, they've been losing for years. So there's not that legacy of people talking about the great Jaguars in the past. But uh, yeah, it would be uh, it would be a travesty if, it, if he doesn't make it 2022. It, you know, the, the, this will be the defining year. They've always had that, they've had that excuse the last three years. Well, these guys played longer, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna take them. If they don't take him now, when uh, then I doubt any lineman will be in. And if they don't take him in 2022, then then you've got an, enough no votes that he's not going to make it, which which would be ridiculous. But strange things happen in in, in perception, where you play, and when you play, and uh, how good the team was, and the, what's the market like, and you know, it's like the Bill Parcells thing. Uh, Mike Holmgren has the same record. Now, Holmgren may finally make it because they're adding, uh, adding coaches, but uh, Gibbs won three Super Bowls without Lawrence Taylor. You know, when you get Lawrence Taylor and Carol Banks, you should win more than two, you know? But anyway, that's another subject. But again, in New York, he, he was great with the media and everybody loves him and he, and he gets that. But it's a, it's a very subjective process. Vito Stellino. Thanks I, I so got much. one more clock. All right, I got one go more ahead, clock. Ira. All right, quick story. Uh, and Vito, I'd be I'd be shocked if Pacelli doesn't get in next year. You know, I, I think he will, and I think Clark does too. Uh, Clark, quick story. I get to UPI in New York in 1976. I'm a sports clerk, Clark. I'm making 150 bucks a week. I'm right out of college, and on the staff are Ira Miller and Rick Goslin. It was quite a staff. Vito, who had been brought up through UPI, was already gone. He was gone. So, Vito, you worked with Milton Richmond, was our sports editor, Clark. If you ever met Milton Richmond, he's one of the most unforgettable people you'll ever meet. Just idiosyncrasies and eccentric. And I think Vito would uh, agree with that. But, Vito, another guy that I put on that level, unforgettable, is a guy you got close to as Clark said, Al Davis. And Vito, for the young people that only remember Davis the last 10 years when he lost his mind and he wasn't the same, they don't realize, Vito, I think you'd agree. I think he's one of the five most important people in the history of professional football. I mean, I, I, I think he's on that level. Vito, tell, tell a couple of Al Davis stories and, and just um, how indispensable he was to the history of this league. Well, because I was, uh, you know, Clark told a story about step back or so, but, but when I was in Pittsburgh, Al was my buddy because he liked to call and needle the Steelers. And I would, uh, you know, hey, this is good copy. I'm going to, you know, print the stuff. One year I get a uh, phone call on a Saturday morning at home. And this guy says, uh, I'm worried about this. I'm from Greensboro. I'm worried about the Steelers. They've let, they've lost three assistant coaches, and I just said, uh, oh, assistant coaches move around all the time, I, you know. And I said, the Raiders lost three assistants. And then 
he used his, his normal voice and he said, ah, oh, you're always thinking about the writers. You know? <laughs> it was so manipulative that he was trying to plant the seed that, that, that I would write a story uh, uh, saying, oh, well, why are they losing the assistant coaches? You know, Another time he calls, and of course, in those days, there's no internet. It's hard to get copies of stories. You know, gives me a bunch of stuff. And then he calls the agent in Pittsburgh to have him read the story that I wrote. And Al says he left out the stuff about Ernie Holmes. I mean, that's how manipulative he was. He had almost like a list. He wanted to, you know, uh, do that. But I'm not as high on Al Davis's contributions to the league because I think in many ways he was a destructive force, which, which was unfortunate. He, he, uh, uh, he never got over the fact that uh, uh, Roselle became, you know, kept the commissioner's job. Right, when, right, right. And, and right. he did, you know. But you know how he owned the Raiders? You know, he didn't pay any money to get the Raiders, you know. You know the story of him? There were there were two partners, you know. One was named McGaugh, and I forget the other guy's name. Wayne, Wayne Valley? Wayne Valley? Was and I forget which of the two. He became buddies with that guy. He was a managerial partner, had a vote, and uh, and they got rid of the other guy, and he talked him into, into virtually just giving him the franchise, you know. Uh, I mean, that was in, in the area... Uh, uh, Ralph Wilson had kept the team alive by giving them $400,000 and they're ready to fall. So in that area, it wasn't a lot of money, but he, he got a control of the, he did what Donald Trump wanted, only dreamed of doing. He got control <laughs> of an NFL franchise while paying for it. <laughs> but, but Vito, he, he knew what a football player looked like, Vito, in terms of a I talent mean, evaluator. No, I know. He, he yeah, uh, you know, definitely. But he had a, a, a uh, almost, you know, he, he moves, he moves to Oka to LA without getting a guarantee of a new stadium, you know, then he moves back to Oakland on this promise that they would sell out and uh, they put in all these extra seats and they didn't sell out. I mean, he made a lot of mistakes, uh, you know, uh, you know, later on, but, but, uh, but as far as just impact in the league, yeah, definitely. He, he's, He's right up there, but unfortunately, uh, some of the things he did were, uh, and then him moving the Raiders uh, started the whole franchise free agency thing because uh, there had been no, no, you know, there hadn't been any any movement uh, until then. So, but but as far as a character and uh, and a great guy to write about, and uh, yeah, you know, in that thirty for thirty thing, they showed one brief clip. Of him and his uh, at a league meeting in his cabana with yes. a bunch of weights. He would always bring weights to league meeting to tell people, "Hey, I lift weights." These hotels are fine. These are posh hotels. <laughs> Weightlifting facilities, but he had to bring his own just to make a point. You know. So, so Ira, I, I'm just going to mention you. You asked that question to the guy who following Al Davis induction in the Pro Football Hall of Fame was quoted as saying, <laughs> putting Al Davis in the Hall of Fame is like putting John Dillinger in the Banking Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's why he made that. Outstanding, Vito, outstanding. Nancy Gay came up to me, uh, you know, and uh, 
And I was thinking, I got to come up with a good line, you know, and that just popped in my head. Oh, of course, Al was just furious. You know? <laughs> and that's why I made the comment about you better step back. You that's know? right. That is correct. That is right. <laughs> so I mean, he, he, he was a, an unbelievable character and a total impact on the league. But, but my thing in the Hall of Fame was, why does he want to be in the Hall of Fame? He didn't, he didn't have any respect for anything else in the NFL, you know, so... Anyway, but that's another uh, story. <laughs> and even his getting in was controversial because uh, at, later on, uh, Will McDonough polled all of the, uh, the voters and he came up with it. Al didn't get enough votes, but it was one of those things where only three got in, had enough votes, and they put in, then they always put in the fourth guy. So he may have skated in on a technicality because of the way they did the rules in those days. But anyway, that's another story. So. Vita, wouldn't you, you know, be dis disappointed if it were anything but that way, that somehow some shady way he got in? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Clark, Vito's point is a, is a great one. Clark, I, I don't think he ever got over after the merger was announced that Roselle right. was yeah. was the lead commissioner and he was not. He never got over that. I know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. He, he was very bitter. He, he didn't want to merge. I mean, they they went around him. Uh, Shram yeah. and Hunt did the, did the merger thing. That he he was totally out of the loop. You know, because they you know I, I wanted to go to war, which again would have been uh, uh, self destructive. To have the two leagues still fighting each other. I mean, it would have been great for the players because salaries would have gone through the roof. But uh, the merger was the only thing that made sense. But I, you know how earlier I mentioned Roselle versus Davis was like Ali and Frazier Thrill Manila? You know where that came from? Oh, yeah. Vito Stellino. He's the guy that <laughs> mentioned it to me. He said they punched themselves out and they were never the same afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that. I, That's outstanding. Yeah. It, it was it was kind of a shame because it took a terrible toll on Pete too. Yeah, yeah, you know, it did. The, con it did. Yeah. the constant oh. uh, fighting with Al. Oh. I give the 30, 30 credit that they did. Uh, they went quite deep into all that about you know it took them off the competition committee and those kind of things and yeah it, it was real. This was not a made for TV uh, feud. This was real. Vito Stellino, thanks so much for the time. This should be a made-for-TV conversation here. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoy it. And, you know, by the way, Vito's in Jacksonville. Vito, good luck with Urban Meyer. <laughs> hearing from you. You notice he's already uh, in a huge controversy. You, have you been following that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a guy from Iowa. That lasted 36 hours. You know. but yeah. he's, he's so used to being... You know, uh, Azar in college, nobody ever questions him. He just thought he could waltz in the NFL and do whatever he wants. And uh, uh, this guy would have had 10 grievances against him in the first week, you know? <laughs> well, he's fortunate that you're not covering the team on a daily basis there, Vito. That's right. Yeah, the way it goes, you know, so. But, hey, Vito, uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Well, one more thing. Is it true that there was no paper in Tampa the day after the Super Bowl? Is that right? Uh, they only print two days a week, Vito. And uh, oh. uh, it, normally it's Wednesday and Sunday. I, I think they did a special Monday edition, but normally two days a week, Vito, two it's, days oh, a week. Isn't that amazing? We, we still print every day, but it's, it's like down to 30,000 during the week. You know? So oh. it's, it's sad. You know? Well, that's the impact your retirement had on the circulation, Vito. 
I was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Vito, thanks again. That was great. Enjoyed talking to you. Enjoyed catching up. It was thanks, fun. Vito. Okay, thanks, great. Vito. Bye. That was former Hall of Fame voter Vito Stellino, whose name is on the Hall wall in Canton as the recipient of the McCann Award. And Ira, um, uh, there's so many things to cover, but on Baselli, I, I agree with him 100% on Baselli. I mean, I think 2022 has got to be his year, right? We've said that before. Mark, if it's not, I, I think he's going to end up in the senior. Uh, cool. If it doesn't happen this year, I think it will. I think it will. Yeah, don't say that. Um, don't Clark, say it that. reminds me of the logjam of the wide receivers. And, yeah, right. and, they, and they eventually got in. Chris Carter, Tim Brown, and Andre Reid. Andre Reid, They all got it. All right, any final thoughts today? No, I'm just thinking about this Vincent Jackson thing, Clark. It hit hard in this community. It's Mm -hmm. it's a big deal. And um, the guy was beloved. He was beloved. Military town and a military guy. Um, You know, uh, he was taken uh, far far too early from us, Clark. Far too early. Okay. Um, Well, that should do it. Uh, If you're looking for us on Twitter... Ian, you want to tell our listeners where they can find us on Twitter? Absolutely. It's uh, at the I, at I test for two, all letters, no numbers. I test for two. Okay. We don't hear from you there. As usual, you're going to hear from us here tomorrow. Tomorrow at Ira. Where are they going? At the I test for two, Clark. And we got you, another special guest for tomorrow. You got it. I'm not going to say who it is. And you're not going to say who it is either because you got to tune in find out. Anyway, thanks for listening. That was fun.